the problem with children is that we are the, the, the most proud and the most disturbed when they act like we do. And so try as we may, we sow and we sow and we sow. And sometimes it just takes a while to get the stupid out of them. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, if you've ever had teenagers, there's a stupid spirit. You know that. And we endured three teenage boys. Yeah. Woo! Thank God their mama's a praying woman. I'd have killed every one of them. (laughs) But life is not always a box of chocolates. I don't care what what what's-his-name says. (laughs) Sometimes life is just hell on earth. One of the most terrible things in life is to have your father embarrass you in public. This is my son, Noah. (laughs) Noah had a time that he had that stupid spirit on him. And the problem is that it doesn't just affect the child, it affects the entire family. The mom and the dad and the brothers and sisters and grandparents and and I think maybe even the dog was (laughs) upset. And I told my wife, I said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't want to lose him to the other side. And she said, we'll just pray some more. And I said, but this is hell. I just, I don't know how much of this I can take. And she said, we'll just pray for one more day. And then God got to work and and God got to talking to him. And he didn't want to listen. So God put him somewhere he couldn't help but listen. <laughs> and in the middle of the night, with nothing but a concrete floor and a bed, he rededicated his life to God and he turned it around. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm so proud as a father. And I look back now and I look at, at all the things God's doing in him and with him and they serve at their local church and I've got three wonderful grandchildren from that experience. But it was hell. Man, I'm doing what I ought to be doing. I'm preaching the gospel. Bless God, I had a purple, double-breasted, charismatic preaching suit. You know what I'm talking about? But in the midst of all that, Jerry saw it, but in the midst of all that, our lives were just hell. If you came here this morning hoping to get close to God to feel better, maybe. But the Bible says those that serve the Lord will suffer persecution. Now, the good news is this. God doesn't let us go through persecution in order to harm us. God lets, watch this, God lets us go through persecution to show us how powerful He is 
and how powerful His love is to get us through what we've got to get through. This world is not my home. I am only passing through. It may be dark at night, but in the morning, when the sun comes and rises, in the midst of all that, we can still be living in terrible situations. I, I don't have time, and I wouldn't anyway, to tell you some of the stuff we have had to go through to get to where we are today, which is wherever that is. But it's like every, God is either... Tony Evans said this last year, and it just blew my mind. I had to stop my car and write it down. He said, you are either going in, in presently, either getting ready to go into a difficult period in your life, you are going through a difficult period in your life, or you just came out of a difficult period in your life. See, Christianity is not all about about smiles and happiness and, and, and that you you, you, you got to have some casserole dinner. It's about learning how to live with God. To live in a life that's so obedient to God that if He says go, you just go. But no, let's discuss it. Let's put a fleece out. Now that fleece stuff is, is that just we don't need that. You know why? Because we can hear God. We can hear God. If I said to my son, "Son, please go mow my yard," and an hour later he's still sitting in front of his, yes, father, what do you want? No, that wouldn't work real well with the father, and it doesn't work well with God the Father. Amen. We learned in the first service what God really wants us to do is to do what He told us to do. Then He can do what He told us He'd do. Amen? Man, somebody ought to write that down. I like, I'm going to buy the tape. You know what I mean? <laughs> Psalm 30. So how do we do? What do we do? How do we get through this mess? First of all, we have to understand that if we serve God, we are going to go through some stuff. We are going to go through some stuff. We're going to have some scars on us. Every man in this room and woman in this room who have been senior pastors somewhere have a horror story they can tell you about what they had to get through to get where they are with God. Every single one of them. Psalm 31 verse 9 says this. Now listen, you think you're having a bad day? Look at this guy. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish. This guy's not having a good day. And my years by groaning. He's been a long time injured. My strength fails because of my affliction. And my bones grow weak. In the original language, literally it says, and my bones are moth-eaten. His bones grow. You get weary. You ever get weary? That's what he's talking about. Because of all my enemies, I am the... This, watch this. I am the utter contempt of my neighbors. 
He's saying, listen, it's one thing when the enemy don't like you. It's another thing when your own people don't like you. Because of all my enemies, I'm utter contempt of my neighbor. I, <laughs> Boy, this guy's having a bad day. I am a dread to my friends. Those who seek me on the street flee from me. Any of you guys have a wife who, who just loves to collect lost puppies? Whether it's animals or people? You know what I'm talking about? There's some needy people out there. My wife is one of those kind of people who just looks for pitiful people to help. I'm basically, you know, my anointing is a prophetic anointing. I don't want to help nobody. I just want to tell you what God said. Then leave me alone until you want me to tell you what God said again. But my wife's not that way. I mean, man, she's so compassionate. And sometimes her phone will ring and it will be one of her goofy friends that that uh, that she's talked to 17 times this week and told her the same thing 17 times. And I go, why do you answer the phone? You've got caller ID. God gave that to us for a reason. Oh, that's what's her name? Nope. Voicemail. That's the way she is, though. I mean, those kind of people are attracted to her. I'm not saying just those kind of people, but those kind of people she attracts. Maybe that's how she got me. I don't know. But he says, I'm a dread to my friends. His friends reproached him even more than his enemies did. Man, that's tough when your enemies like you better than your friends like you. That's tough. This guy's having a bad day. Amen? I'm a dread to my friends. Look at verse 12. I am forgotten by them though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. In other words, utter contempt is what everybody has for this guy. I am forgotten by them as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery, for I hear the slander of many. There is terror on every side. I, I used to pastor that church. <laughs> it's in another state. For I hear the slander. There is terror on every side. They conspire against me. Who conspires against me? Not his enemies. His friends conspire against him. Man, he's having a bad day. Listen, there is con- here the the, the it, it's there is a conspiracy among his own people. A conspiracy among his own people. They conspire against me and they plot to take my life. That fellow's name that wrote that is David. As a Learned theologian, you know how I know that? It says right there, Psalm of David. <laughs> he was having a bad day. Let's take a look at why he was having a bad day. If you will, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. This is one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. Because I've lived here many times. And you go, you read through this, you go, ooh, 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 yeah, 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 that, that's me, that's me. 
Or that's some other saint. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now, um, now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive all the women and all who were with them, both young and old. They killed none of them and they carried them off as they went. David, watch this. David had this deal, this con that he was running on the, the, the Philistine king. The Philistine king gave him safe passage and gave him a place. All he had to do was not kill Philistines. So what's David do? He goes like a good Jew and kills Philistines. He was doing what he was supposed to do. His people were in what he thought was a safe place. He was doing exactly what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to go among the Philistines and kill every last one of them. Man, one time there, God said, Listen, not only do I want you to kill all the men, I want you to kill all the women and all the children and all the cattle and everything that breathes. Kill it. You say, Well, man, that's pretty tough. Let me tell you why we have the problems we have today. Because men of God did not complete what God told them to do when he told them to do it. That's why we have the issues we have today. It's not some movement. It's not some politician. It's the enemy. Amen? Well, now watch this. He's serving God. And in the midst of serving God, his entire world collapses around him. He's not in sin. He's not doing something he's not supposed to do. He's doing what God called him to do. And in the middle of doing what God called him to do, this comes on him. What would you say? What did Job's friends say? Hell, well, he must have done something wrong. After all, it's God blesses us. Amen? But now look at this. It says they carried off all the women and all the children. Man, that's tragic. I don't want them carrying off, you know, my wife. I like to have her around. But in the midst of all this, he's done everything he's supposed to. His men are out there and they're killing Philistines left and right. And the Philistine king says, what have you been doing? He goes, oh, we've been killing the Amalekites. When in reality what they were doing was they were killing enemies, Israel's enemies. So, the Bible says they killed none of them, they carried them off. Just imagine the emotional pain and stress in the middle of this tragedy, and yet, in the middle of his hell on earth, God's hand protects everything in his life. His wives, his children, and all his stuff, God puts under his Divine protection. Is David going through hell? You bet he is. But even in the midst of, listen, even in the midst of your trials, God is right there to be with you. But preacher, you don't understand how bad it is. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Whatever it is, God can carry us through. Amen? You know how I know that? Because I have done some stupid things in my life. 
something. I mean, man, my wife look at me and go, you really kind of testing God there, aren't you? It's terrible when you have to receive revelation from your wife. Terrible. But in the midst of all his pain, in the midst of all his sorrow, in the midst of all his anguish, there is God to protect his life and to protect the lives of his loved ones. Look at verse 3. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. You ever weep like that? Where you just you just weep and weep and weep until there is not a tear left in your body. You weep and weep and weep until you get to a point to where you think not even God can get me out of this. You weep and you weep and you weep not understanding that God sees every tear. That's where David was. That's where his men were. The Bible says here they could they couldn't weep anymore. They were completely and totally devastated in their minds and in their bodies. Well, can I tell you something? It's okay to weep. It's okay to weep. I've been to some some funeral services where that's all they did was weep. That's okay, I guess, but we know their joy comes in the morning. We know that if they know the Lord, they're already there. To weep so much that you can't even stand up anymore. So David and his men wept aloud. Look at verse 6. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. This is David. This is the great, the great guerrilla general. These men would give their lives for David and some did. But yet when it appears that all is lost, they get that Baptist philosophy shake. There's something wrong in the church. Let's kill the leader. Come on, I've been there. There's something wrong. Let's get rid of the leader. If our foundation is not on Christ, if our foundation is on the world, and this comes upon us, we will be done. We will be done. See, Christianity is not about what God can give you. Because quite frankly, at the cross, He gave you everything He's got. Christianity is about us learning to receive what God gave us and to just walk along. Just walk along. I like sometimes to just go find a quiet place, a field or a forest, and just go just walk around. Say, you know what, Lord? Talk to me a little bit. Talk to me. I've got something that I've been asking God for for so long. Back in December, eight months ago, 
I decided to fast until God gave me an answer to my request. I'm still fasting. I called my pastor the other day. Great man of God, lives in California. I said, Pastor, could you just be my pastor for a while? He said, well, sure. I said, Tell, when do I stop fasting? He said, you know the answer to this. I said, I do. He said, yep. You can quit fasting when God tells you what to do. I said, it's been eight months. He said, doesn't matter. It takes eight years. Pray through. Pray through. See, we have to be willing to stand firm. There's lots of times my wife, if she wanted to and was of a mind, could have just said, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm going home to Mama. She can't do that now because Mama lives with us. (laughs) She wouldn't go very far. (laughs) Hey, that's pretty good. I like that. (laughs) But there's been plenty of opportunity over the last 30 31, 32 years, a long time for bad things that were happening in our lives, and most of them were my fault, for bad things that were happening in our lives, she could have just said, you know what, you're an idiot. Because it's true. It's true. It's true. But she made a decision and I made it that we made a decision together that no matter what comes along, stand. Stand. When you've done all you can do, when you've cried all you can cry, when you've walked the floor over that child every minute that you can walk the floor, when you've cried, when you've anguished, when your knees are just bloody from praying. And all we got left, stand. Stand. Why? Because when we stand still, God can do miraculous things. The problem is not normally that we're running after God. Normally God's already there and He's waiting on us. So David's having a bad day. And his men say, well, this is easy. Let's just kill David. Well, that's ridiculous. How's killing David going to fix anything? But you see what happens when people are in anguish It's like reason clicks off in the brain. When people are are, are listening to other people, reasoning just clicks off. When somebody, sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so wants to gossip a little bit, they don't call it gossip. They get together and go, you know what, let's pray for the pastor. God calls that gossip. With that attitude. But no matter what it is, we can choose that whatever the fiery darts are, that we will stand. That we will stand. You know what? That's not the easiest answer. The easiest answer is to run away. It takes a whole lot more to just stand. Listen, I've put up with a lot in the last 31 years. I just want you to know that. Nobody believes that. (laughs) Her mother said she does. But if your foundation is not Christ, then your 
difficulties will consume you and will kill you. But when our foundation is Christ, then we know that no matter what happens, He's there. No matter how terrible something is that happens against us, He's right there. He's right there. You know, I, I, I received that, but I, intellectually, I don't understand that. But I receive it because that's what the Bible says. Amen? So his men want to kill him. So what, what does David do? David grabs his gun and he runs for home. No. No, he's not going anywhere. Watch this. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him, for each one was bitter in his spirit because of his sons and his daughters. They weren't mad at David per se, but they were so bitter in their spirit that all they could think to do was to kill somebody else. But David found strength in the Lord his God. I want to tell you, when you get to a point to where there's no help for you, when you get to a point to where the doctor says, you're done, when you get to a point to where your friends won't answer your calls, when you get to a point to where nobody understands, when you get to the point to where there's just absolutely you have done everything you can and nothing works, that's the point where God is right there saying, take my hand, take my hand. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let this bad thing just go away, but I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk through it with you. I'm going to walk through it with you. No matter what happens, no matter what the pain, no matter what the injury, no matter what the situation, God is right there to stand with us. But David found strength in the Lord, his God. Now look at verse 7. I love this verse. Then David said to Abathar the priest, Bring me the ephah. They brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue the raiding party? Will I overtake them? Has this guy lost his mind? They've taken everything you've got. They've taken your wives. They've taken your children. They've taken your cattle. They've taken your sheep. They've taken your tents. They've taken your weapons. They've taken everything you hold dear. Well, there's only one thing for us to do. Let's just get us some new weapons, get on a horse, go find them and kill them. Isn't that reasonable? I'm, c- come on, isn't that reasonable? I don't know about you, but that would be my first my first understanding. Somebody does something to your family. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? I'm going to hurt them. That's not where God wants us. That's not where God wants us. The Bible says pray for your enemies. See, that used to bother me. I didn't like that. There's lots of things in the Bible I don't like. But but I'm going to do what it says. Amen. I'm not stupid.
But his foundation was the Lord. So he said, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I inquire of the Lord, should I go? That seems to me, I don't know about you, but that seems to me like that's a ridiculous question. Is anybody here, would you just do that? I, I just got to tell you, I don't think that would be my first reaction. I mean, listen, you do to me whatever you want, but you touch my wife, I will hurt you. I won't wait to pray. I won't wait to get understanding and revelation. I'll just hurt you because I adore her. Amen? But that wasn't what David did. It said David stopped. Everything in his life is gone. There's nothing he can do. He's completely and totally helpless. And all he can do is the right thing to do, which is to call out to God and say, Oh, God, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Should I go after these guys? What should I do? God answers and says, Go get them. Pursue them. Sick them. Get after them. Go ahead. But now watch. He didn't get aggressive until God said for him to get aggressive. Because I don't know about you guys. Anybody else like me? I don't have any problem at all getting aggressive. Yeah, I don't have any problem at all getting aggressive. But what I have to do is when that thing comes up in me, I have to, whoa, wait a minute. That's, I'm not going there. What I need to do is ask God what to do. Amen? Then if God says get aggressive, get aggressive. God may not say that. But he inquired of the Lord, and the Lord said, yes, go ahead. Then David said to Abathar the priest, to bring the ephod, and he did. And David inquired. And God says, pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Because David waited to get a word from God, the word from God was complete and total recovery of everything that had been taken from him. God didn't just, he didn't just get through this situation. He was enhanced by this situation. Not only, we'll see in a minute, did he get everything that belonged to him, but he got everything that belonged to the Malachite. David inquired the Lord. The Lord said, yeah, man, get after him. Now look at this, verse 9. David and the 600 men with him came to the Besor Ravine where some stayed behind for 200 men were too exhausted to cross the ravine. They couldn't get across the river. 200 men couldn't get across. Listen, there's one thing you learn early if you're going to be a successful pastor or a leader is that not everybody is ready for the battle. Not everybody's ready for the battle. Not everybody's ready for the revelation. I used to travel. I was an evangelist. I traveled around the country. And I had a young man that was my armor bearer. He went with me and he took care of me. And he would see that the hotel room was, you know, was okay. And, and uh, he would get up in the morning and, and, you know, go get me some coffee and that sort of stuff, take care of me. And he'd... 
take my Bible and, and you know, take it to the church with them and, and find our place to sit. And, and, and then if uh, uh, he, he would just, he was there in case I needed protection. And how many of you know that happens sometimes in churches? It happens sometimes. But he was there, and he, he was, he found this young woman that he liked a lot. She's a nice young woman. We, we liked her too. In fact, he, he told her when they first began dating, he said, uh, I have to take you to introduce you to my pastor. And she said, why? He said, because if they don't like you, I won't have you. A wise young man. And sure enough, several weeks go by, and he would every time we go somewhere, he'd say, Pastor, what do you think? Think I ought to pursue this? You know? And one day God spoke to me the answer. And he spoke to my wife almost the same day. And my armor bearer asked me, he said, He said, Has God told you what the answer is? I said, Yes. He said, What is the answer? I said, God didn't tell me to tell you that. See, sometimes you have to wait on the revelation. Sometimes you have to wait on the revelation. Eventually I shared with him what the Lord told me. He didn't like it very much. He was angry because the answer was, no, this is not her. He, he, I mean, we're out ministering to people. We are actually we are on, on the island of Maui suffering for Jesus. He's carrying my Bible into the church where I'm going to preach and isn't talking to me. Later that evening, he came to me and said, Pastor, I'm so sorry. Would you forgive me? He said, I know you hear God, and I know deep in my heart that as much as I want that woman, she is not for me. I'll wait. And he waited, and God gave him the perfect wife. They have two little boys, and God has blessed them abundantly. So David and the 600 guys take off, but 200 of them go, look, I, can't, I, I just can't make it. So they leave, and, and, and they, they, they head out. Verse 13, David, they, they found this guy who was an Egyptian, who was the servant of, of the, the, one of the military leaders of the Amalekites. That, that's in verse 11 and 12. And David asked him, To whom do you belong and where do you come from? And he said, Listen, I'm an Egyptian, but I'm a slave to the Amalekites. He was caught in a battle. And, and, and the Amalekites took him as a slave. He says, My master abandoned me when I became ill three days. Long story short, David says to him, Can you lead us down to the raiding party? And he says, yes, I can, but you have to let me live. That's a, that's a, a fair trade, right? So the Egyptian guy says, swear to me, uh, verse 15, he says, swear to me before God that you will not kill me and hand me over to the master and I will take you down to them. Listen, the slave knew where the real power was. God uses enemy, the enemy's own possessions against him. You ever have somebody stand up and rise up against you 
and before they're through rattling on, they're on your side. All you got to do is let them talk through. This guy knew whose side to be on. He led David down, and they were there, scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and revealing because of the great amount of plunder. They were having a good time. They were having a party. They had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. David fought with them, verse 17. David fought with them from dusk until the evening of the next day. Let me tell you something. If I'm going to get in a fight, I'm good for about 30 seconds. And then I'm tired and I need to go lay down. They fought from dusk one day until the evening of the next day without stopping, without stopping. For more than a day, for more than 24 hours, the battle was hand-to-hand combat and they did not quit. And they kept on. And David fought them from dusk until the evening. None of them got away except uh, 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 400 who rode off on camels. Then verse 18. David recovered everything. Everything. Let me say that again. David recovered everything. David recovered everything. Everything. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm going through hell. I'm never going to get my stuff back. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know that whatever it is has been taken away from you. When you get home, it's not going to be right there by your front door. I've had people say, the enemy got my child and I, I can't get him back. No, that's a lie of the enemy. The enemy took my wife. I can't get her back. No, that's a lie of the enemy. I got cancer. I'm going to die. No, that's a lie of the enemy. I'm poor. I can't do anything about it. That's a lie of the enemy. See, because people think that to be prosperous financially is a blessing. Maybe not. And you don't have to be prosperous financially to be blessed. Man, I, I got more than two nickels to rub together, but not much more. But I'm the most blessed man on the face of the earth. God is my Father. Jesus is my brother. The Holy Spirit fills me with His power. He gave me a great woman. He gave me three wonderful sons. There is peace in our house. They just, my daughter-in-law just keep giving us them grandbabies, man. We like it. I got home day before yesterday and I came in the back door and I saw my daughter-in-law's SUV parked there. And so I went in the back door and I I just kind of looked around the corner and I went, All of a sudden, little Zachy, who just turned two Saturday, turns around and he looks, and his eyes get big. And you know what he does? That's what he does. Because he knows Pops is refuge, he knows Pops is blessing. 
the, our other granddaughter who's not here this morning with my beautiful granddaughter and her lovely mother and her handsome husband. Last year, my, my other daughter-in-law was said, we all were sitting around the table about Thanksgiving. And she was talking about, she's got to figure out what to do with baby Zach about how to talk to him about, you know, Jesus and it's Christmas about Santa Claus and she doesn't know what to do, you know, all that sort of stuff. She doesn't want to mess the kid up. I said, you know what, stop. Let me show you how this is already fixed in your life for you. And I looked at my little granddaughter who was five years old and I said, Rainy, who is Santa Claus? And she went, She knew who Santa Claus was. And you know what she does? That's the sign of safety. That's the sign of full and complete surrender to the protection of somebody else. Pastor Shake was talking earlier about worship. And what worship is, is worship is, is giving your dignity to God. That's what worship is. It's giving your dignity to God. And that's what David did. David said, I'm not going anywhere till God talks to me, till God tells me what to do. So the Bible says they go. And, and, and we know what's going to happen here. They win the battle. David recovered everything. Nothing was lost. Not only was nothing lost, but he got all the enemy stuff. Amen? I want to read you a verse in Philippians 3. Philippians 3, now this is verse 13, and Paul's talking to the church at Philippi. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. He's talking about the the perfection of God. But one thing I do, one translation says, one thing I do know. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He says, listen, all I have to do, just forget about what happened. Yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor. I got My ex-wife is the meanest woman on the face of the earth. My ex-husband is the meanest man on the face of the earth. I had to move three states just to get away from them. No! Do what the Bible says do, and the Bible will do for you what it said God will do. What do we do? Forget it. I have to counsel my sons all the time. I just want to beat them with a stick sometimes. Say, are you listening to me? And trying to teach them as they're becoming men of God to just forget it when people hurt you. That's a hard thing to do. I, you know, maybe you're a super mom. I don't know. But that is difficult for me to do, is to forget it. But I have to. And I have to tell you some things through the years that we have gone through that we have remained silent about, that we had not talked about to anybody. We just gave it to God. God is a dangerous God. God does not like you messing with his children. 
I have seen God bring men to the brink of death because they harmed one of his children. Forgetting what is behind. Forgetting what is behind. That's so hard, isn't it? Now listen, David did four things, and I'm done. I'm done. David did four things. When trouble came, number one, he got dangerous. How did he get dangerous? He encouraged himself. He encouraged himself. You know, sometimes nobody can encourage you. Sometimes I get down. I don't want my wife to encourage me. I want her to leave me alone. Yeah, guys, you know how that feels. But he encouraged himself, and that's how he got dangerous. Secondly, the Bible says, he inquired of the Lord. He did not get ahead of God. He waited on God. I know I don't like that either, but that's the way it works, right? Amen? He waited on God. Thirdly, he found his team. He had 600 men, but 200 of them couldn't go. Couldn't go. Notice David didn't beat them up. He didn't beat them up. He didn't, you know, threaten to take away their church membership. He, he, he just said, fine, you stay here under cover. And then lastly, he went to war. He went to war. And when he went to war, he was victorious. See, he wasn't victorious because he was a great leader. He wasn't victorious, Pastor Shay, because he had his double-breasted, charismatic, purple preaching suit. He wasn't victorious because he was the leader. He was victorious because he waited on God. I have been waiting on God so long that I have to tell you, I had to call my own pastor just to get me to a point where I wasn't just weary waiting on God. Maybe that's you this morning. I don't know. I think maybe so. I don't think God had me do this just for the fun of it. Help me, brother. Would you just bow your heads right where you are? Just bow your heads. I want to ask you a question. We got time. The Baptists have already beat you to the restaurant. Prayer team, would, would you come? We're going to pray for some people. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. people in this building would be brave enough and honest enough to say, you know what? I know what hell's like. I'm going through it right now. Yes, yes. Just slip your hand. We want to pray for you. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because I'm going through hell. I'm going through hell. I need help. I just need somebody to tell me it's going to be okay that it's all going to be all right. Listen. If we do what God says do, God will do what he said he'll do. Those of you that raise your hands, 
I want you to come and let us pray for you this morning. Don't stop now. Get it all. Get it all. Get under the spout where the glory comes out. Don't be ashamed. If we can't admit to each other that we're having a tough time, we're in real trouble. I'm going to go into something now the way you talk. Don't be afraid. This world is not my home, Pastor Shake. I'm only passing through. that you're going through. God is right there with you. Say, well, I can't feel His hand. I can't hear His voice. I can't see Him. That doesn't negate the fact that He's there. (laughs) So many times we live in the darkness of a cave and all we got to do is walk out into the light. Maybe that's you today. through that. Come on, no way. Today is your day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day the Lord can deliver us from ourselves. This is the day the Lord can deliver us from anger, from strife, from hatred, Bring us to a place to where we can even love our enemies. For those that have sinned against us, that we can love, and that love conquers all. It's a time to get rid of hate and fill that that space that was full of hate with joy with faith that God will bring you through. I surrendered to ministry in 1972 before a lot of you were born. I don't know much, but I know one thing. God is always there. God is always there. If I can't hear Him, if I can't feel Him, if I can't touch Him, it's not Him that moves. It's me. today. They're going to continue to minister. We're going to pray and you can leave if you need to or you can hang around. Let's just pray. Father God, help us to understand that we can be dangerous to the enemy. That we can be dangerous to the enemy. That we only need weight on you and that you will equip us this hell that we're in, that your word has promised that you will bring us through. Bringing us through means there is an end to this tunnel of hatred. There is an end to this tunnel of malice. There is an end to this tunnel of confusion that you 
will bring us 